Okay, guys, so what we've got now is we've got uh, Jeanette from Onyx Legal. It's going to have a talk to us about copyright law. I will give you share screen in case you need it. Jeanette, it's all yours. Thank you. Okay, so I am not going to share a screen and bore you with PowerPoints, although I do often use PowerPoints to help direct where I'm going and not get too far off the track. Uh, what I wanted to share with you today was particularly um, some information around copyright in dealing with the online space. So the first thing you need to understand is that copyright is not one thing. It's a whole bundle of rights. So for example, if you write a book, um, you have the copyright in the words that are contained in that book. You may or may not have the copyright in the typesetting, so how the book is presented and what it looks like. You may or may not have copyright in the cover, depending on who you got to design it for you and whether you actually paid them to transfer the copyright to you. Um, you will have the rights to have that adapted into a screenplay, for example. You can uh, license it internationally. So if you wanted to translate it, what you would do is you would license the copyright to different countries. So you wouldn't, you, what you can do with copyright is you can layer all sorts of different rights and you can earn income from all those different rights. Uh, so it's, it's really important to understand that. And the other thing is you can, you can only transfer copyright in writing. So one of the questions I got this morning from someone was, but I paid for this how come it's not mine? Well, the agreement, there was no written agreement to start with for who you paid to design that logo. So there's problem number one. Um, and because there's no written agreement, there's nothing in writing to say that when you paid them, they transferred the copyright in that logo to you. So the way it works is you have a implied license to use that logo for the purpose for which you paid for it. And that's it. You've got no other rights around that. Um, so I can remember many years ago when I was in the house council with an organization, having a very big argument with the designers who they paid an absolute fortune to redo their logo because the designers wanted to own copyright in the logo. Now the general manager I had at the time folded and gave in to the designers so they owned the copyright. The branding of that particular business has since changed, which doesn't surprise me at all. Um, because what that means is if someone else owns the copyright, you can't change it. Like you can't make a um, negative image of it. So if it's black on white, you can't make white on black without their permission. So that's the kind of intricacies around copyright that you just need to be aware it's, it's bigger than you realize. And that means there's a whole lot of opportunity around it, but it also means there's a level of risk around it. Now, is there anyone in the room who has received one of those nasty letters in the mail that says, you're infringing my copyright, pull this image down and pay me $3,000 plus? It's not an uncommon thing. And the reason that's not uncommon at the moment is because Google reverse image search, TinEye and a number of other different software programs have made it very easy to automatically search an image on the internet. So there's a couple of companies, I'm aware of a, um, a big one in Berlin and another one in the US where they have automated the process of signing people up who own images, searching the internet for those images and sending nasty letters in the mail saying you must pay us money and take down that image 
and it's all automated. So if you receive, if you ever receive a nasty letter like that, if it's from an overseas individual or law firm or company, don't stress. If it is from a local lawyer, get advice. And the reason for this is copyright law is national. Uh, so it's country by country base. We do have international treaties on both copyrights and trademarks, which means there are things that can be enforced internationally. But anybody who wants to take action against you, because your assets are here in Australia, so the whole thing with a legal proceeding is once you get a court order, that's not the be all and end all. You actually have to go and enforce that court order. So our friend in Berlin who keeps threatening to take people to the Supreme Court of Berlin makes me laugh. An order of the Supreme Court of Berlin is going to have zero impact on you unless you have assets over there. Anybody in the room with assets over there? No. So go their hardest, basically. And um, I have dealt with this individual a number of times and I get very stressed clients because the, the price that he's normally asking for is sort of between three and $7,000. It's like, don't pay anything. Take the image down and tell them you're not going to correspond with them any further. And then everything you hear from them, just ignore and shelve it. Um, there's a mob in the US do a similar sort of thing. The only time that's been an issue for us is when we had a client in the US who contacted us and said, I've got this letter. Under the US copyright law, they've got a base level that they can claim without having to prove anything. And that's three and a half thousand US dollars. Um, we had to negotiate a solution for him, which was less than three and a half thousand to make them go away. But he had to deal with that because it was a legal firm in the same jurisdiction where he has his assets. Um, so yeah, any of those sorts of complaints that come from overseas, don't stress. There's ways and means of dealing with them. An example that we've had to deal with, which was actually in trademark, not copyright, um, two very different things. Trademark has to be registered to be enforced under the Trademark Act. There are some technical areas around that where it doesn't have to be registered, but it's easier if it's registered. Copyright is not registered. It's automatic. There is a copyright register in the US. It's the only legitimate one in the world. It is the Electronic Copyright Organization or something like that, ECO in the US. If you search the USPTO, which is the US Patents and Trademark Office, there's a link there to it. The reason you would register something over there, it's about $35, it's not expensive, is that you cannot enforce digital copyright in the US courts unless you first had it registered through the ECO. So if your target market is the US and you want to protect your copyright, that's what you would do. You would register it with that office and then you would enforce it um, over in the US. So there, there's some quick things. Um, <coughs> Challenges that we see, uh, just some examples. We've had a client who was in Allied Health and they happened to literally look at their competitor who was three streets away and loved what was on their website and copied it. And it's like, oh, people, if you're going to copy a competitor, pick a competitor the other side of the world who doesn't care what you do. Don't pick someone around the corner who's going to keep an eye on what you're doing 
And when they sent a nasty letter to our client, our client rang us in a panic and said, what did I do wrong? And so, well, you copied their content. You, you barely changed it. You reformatted it. But they've put a lot of time and effort and energy into creating something fantastic. And you've just gone, oh, that's great. I'll copy it. And they're around the corner. Yes, you're liable. Yes, you're in trouble. Yes, we need to change this and you need to fix it fairly quickly. The trademark example I was going to bring up is we had a client with a domain name that was registered trademark in the US and a registered trademark in the UK, but not in Australia. It was owned in the UK by the supplier to our client. It was owned in the US by a competitor. The US competitor came into the Australian market, registered the trademark, and then went after my client for their domain name. Um, we were lucky in that the client's business was all through their database, not through their website. So we developed a strategy where they rebranded their business. We protected the trade, the UK supplier changed their trademark. We registered that in Australia. We did it all in 90 days. And the US company had to buy our client's domain name in the end. So that covered the cost of their legal fees. So there are strategies, there are ways and means of dealing with this sort of stuff. Um, one that wasn't so great in the copyright space, and this is why I say you need advice when it's an Australian-based lawyer or a lawyer in your same jurisdiction, sorry, sorry Sherry. Um, <clears throat> we had a client who went, who got a nasty letter in the mail, Australian client, got a nasty letter from an Australian legal firm and responded to that letter and said, oh, it's not my fault, it's a bot attached to my website. It's like, that bot is under your control, of course it's your fault, but I didn't do anything. The bot automates it. Yeah, but you put the bot there. Okay, so he had already admitted liability before he came and spoke to us and they were after $25,000. So the only thing we could do with the client at that point, and he honestly didn't know that he'd done something wrong. You know, it's like you admitted liability. Anyway, we negotiated it down so he paid them $1,000 and walked away. But there were six court cases through the federal court in Australia where they had recovered more than $25,000. So he was significantly at risk in that situation. So key lessons, do not copy and paste from someone else online. That includes terms and conditions, Jason. Um, <laughs> do not do a Google search and use an image from a Google search. Go and get a licensed image where you can demonstrate that you have a license number to defend any claim or better still take the images yourself and use all the images that you create yourself. If you are going to get images, videos, audio or writing prepared by somebody else like Ben, um, then what you would do is have an agreement with that person that they transfer copyright upon payment in full of your invoice. Um, and that way you know that you have ownership in the copyright of that piece of work, regardless of what type of work it is. Um, so there's some top tips on copyright. And if you have any questions, let me know. I do. I, I, so you're saying that every, every design that Phil's ever done for me and every piece of work that Ben's ever written for me, I legally don't own. Yes. Wow. Thank God I rebranded. All right. <laughs> well, you don't, you may not own it, but you have an implied license to continue to use it for the purpose for which you paid for it. I mean, even though, um, I don't know if I told Jay this, but I, I usually tell clients um, it's your design, you own it. 
Yeah. Like yeah, but if you only tell them that and you don't put it in writing, oh, it no, doesn't it's, it's usually in writing, like emails, stuff like that. You know, I I, I let them know. I like, I designed it, but it's yours. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, if you do that, then yes, it, you would own it. Yeah. The person you give it to would own it. Because I because I yeah I, I don't believe in that um, thing you were saying before that you know this bloody logo thing where they still own the bloody copyright to it and that's totally unfair because I agree totally because yep. it's it's their brand oh. yeah they've designed something for a brand that's meant to represent them you know yeah and they still feel they own the copyright to it that's just totally unfair yeah, yeah I agree with you hmm. Laurie. Just wanted to ask, thank you, Jeanette. That was really, really um uh, great. Mm. Is it the same with photographs? Like, if you get a photographer to take headshots yeah. or images um, for you to use on social media, yes, you need to transfer that copyright. Yes, there. you do. Okay. So, what you'll often find with wedding photographers, for example, is that the wedding photographer will say that what you're purchasing is um, a limited right to use these images. So you can use them for specific purposes. Um, actually, a really good example we've got is one of our clients is a real estate photographer and a zone, a zone drone okay. photographer. Um, and they're agreement so they do a lot of real estate photography for the purpose of advertising something for sale and their agreement specifies the purpose for which you have a license to use those images so you don't get copyright in those images you get permission to use them in certain circumstances and if you want to use them outside those circumstances you have to pay her extra so Thank yeah, you. if wow. you're if you're employing a photographer, you need to check your terms and conditions to see whether you actually and that's why they sell you the images per image, because they retain copyright. I'll give you an example of um, where I did advise um, a business that they uh, they shouldn't be asking me to design that they wanted five like wall designs like huge wall designs like the biggest one was nine meters by three meters and all different sizes. Or five different ones with five different superheroes, but they're Disney superheroes. And I said, yes. I, I said, I said, you can't use those um, on the walls. Yeah, you, know, you, you can't. You, you have know, to get a license to use them on the walls. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then uh, they said, well, how about we use silhouettes? Like just they're just black, but you can just see the outline you know, of what they are. I, so I said, I, I said, I don't think that's going to pass either. I said, oh, we'll take the risk. And uh, well, okay, so I designed it for them, and like for these five designs, they were allowed to use them in four of them inside the building, but outside the building, the biggest one was nine point three meters by three meters or something, and had Mandalorian, the bloody yep. uh, uh, distinctive silhouette. Yeah, it was still silhouette, but you can still tell it's Mandalorian and little Yoda, you know, the little character and um you can still tell them i said and i warned them again i said look this is it's pretty obvious you know but and they disney is quite particular in enforcing their copyright as yeah. well and they did get told you can't well after i already told them they got told you can't use that on the outside of the building you can use it inside the building like where their office space was yeah but they couldn't use it outside on the window kind of yeah. thing yeah. It's interesting because um, with Disney Pixar uh, films, there's or with any film really, you can take a screenshot of one one image from a film, uh, and that's called a still. And the rules around stills and how they're enforced 
uh, vary greatly around the world. So I wrote an article on LinkedIn years ago and referenced the crudes has anybody seen the crudes yeah love cartoon movies um and i compared each of the crudes to different types of lawyers <laughs> um and i used stills from the movie now i acknowledge dreamworks and all the images but i tried to get specific permission from DreamWorks to use the stills and I couldn't actually access an individual or a department to get those permissions. So I took the risk and I put it up and thought, well, you know, if they come after me, I'll pull it down and I'll change it. Uh, and they've never come after me, but that was DreamWorks, not Disney. Yeah. Well, it's not considered official kind of photography or anything like that, or it's just something yeah. you screenshotted yourself. It's, it's a tiny part of a whole. Yeah. And that's how come stills you can often get away with is because they're what's called an insignificant part of the copyright of the whole film. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Jeanette, thank you very much for that. That's uh, that's going to take 15 minutes on the radio station. That's good. So beautiful. We'll just stop recording.